Hey, what's really going on? It's Boots Riley. I'm the writer and director of Sorry to Bother You. You are now listening to Two Dope Teachers and a Microphone. Keep it locked right here. No texting. What's up, Two Dope Nation? How are y'all doing? Plus shaking potato chips or bacon. Or both, in fact. Or both. Because or if, both. You ask, if you ask me to choose between potato chips and bacon, you have, well, actually what you're looking at um, after 15 months of quarantine. Um, that's what we're looking at. What is up? Welcome to Two Dope Teachers in a Microphone. My name is Gerardo Munoz. And I am Kevin Adams. Kevin coming in with some gradual energy, taking his time, like slowing down. That's it. It's summertime. It's summertime. Um, And we are here with you because it is um, it's June and it is summer. And we are kicking off the 2021 Revolution Summer Mixtape. Kick it off. (laughs) The mixtape. The mixtape is back, folks. Third edition. Dropping, I need a, I need a, hold on, to really kick the mixtape off. Yes, we need mixtape sound effects. We need, we need that mixtape, big mixtape energy. Yep. So, four people, got to give the people what they want. Give them what they want. Without further ado. <laughs> this is the, this is like the universal sound for everything. I feel it's a mixtape sound. It's a celebration sound. It's a 100th episode sound. It's all that. It's it's critical. Yeah, that's right. There we go. Ah, <laughs> nice, Kev. You want to give the people a little bit of an overview of what our summer revolution mixtape is? So in the summer, you know, we 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 want to take some time for ourselves, but we also know that the people, you know, need a different. You need that summer energy. And so the summer mixtape series started, you know, two years ago. And we just try to, you know, speak out to a variety of people doing the work, engaged in this stuff, and just get more ideas out there, amplify voices, and give you something dope to listen to, you know, a couple of times throughout the summer. That's right. And, you know, as as I recall, um, Summer Revolution Mixtape 2019 uh, was put together in Houston. It was it was pretty improvised because mixtapes tend to be fairly improvised. And after we had gone down to the NEA Racial and Social Justice Conference down there in Houston, shout out NEA, shout out Shilpa, shout, shout out, out Stephanie, Stephanie and the crew. And then we had these like dope people that we were that we just did interview after interview after interview with. And we're like, what do we do with what, what do we do with all these dope tracks? And as a musician, Kevin, I know you always have that question. What am I doing with all these dope tracks? Well, you, right? you always put it together to, you know, you're either creating a whole project that has a flavor all yeah. together, you know, um, or you're just, you know, putting together those pieces because you're always out there in the mix. Yep. And so that's what like the mixtape is. That's it's right. all the little pieces, you know, so there's there's fly stuff. It's going to be a little different. 
than what it normally is. But but that's the point of the mixtape. And, you know, thinking back to 2019, it, it had those heavy Houston vibes. We weren't quite chopped and screwed, but we were, you know, we had that heavy Houston energy going on. That's right. We did. And and I think that's the thing that um, that's that's been so much fun about this whole process is, you know, summer is a time. I don't know about you, Kev. Like I, I don't think about school a lot in the summer, but when I do, it's gradual, it's experimental. It's without the pressure of, Oh man, I got to teach tomorrow. What am I going to do? It's not that like that teacher panic, like on a day off. And um, so it's experimental. It's like Kevin said, we, we find some pieces, we put them together and see what the people like. We also try to uh, find folks who are doing experimental work uh who are doing work that is pushing the envelope that is pushing on the limitations that beset us during the school year and we just try to have a good time you know and like and like to to just to just keep us in the vernacular in the current vibe right we you know like j cole just released the off season exactly so this is I was our off season. Say that. but cole That's was right. on mixtapes right yep. he was on mixtapes Throughout that time, those 12 yep. years where you went without a cold record. Yeah. So, so just know that like we coming back with some hot stuff. We but are. like we we still out here. We, we still, are out, still here. out here. We are. We are. And so um we'll be dropping the mixtape as as we go. If you have friends who are new to the two dope teachers and a mic podcast, the mixtapes are a great place to start to get a sense of what we're doing. And uh, you know, we're gonna get this thing going and it's gonna be super fun. Uh if you are new to the show, you can follow us at Two Dope Teachers on both Twitter and Instagram. You can now find us on Facebook at Two Dope Teachers. You can also send us an email if you have feedback or something you want to say, two dope teachers and a mic or I'm sorry, that's now I'm the one getting it wrong. Ah, two dope, ah, I know slipping. Uh two dope teachers at gmail.com. We also want to shout out our 54 patrons who shout out 54, 54. And those on-air shout-outs uh, that are personalized are getting longer and longer, and we tack them onto the end of the show. So we love y'all. We love all of y'all, but we love the patrons the best. That's thank right. Thank y'all. Right. And if you would like to give Two Dope Teachers and a mic um, and our productions uh, some financial support, you can go to patreon.com slash Two Dope Teachers. Podcasting is not free. We do this um, when we are not doing something that we get paid for. And uh, any support you can give is extremely helpful. So track one, Revolution, track one. Revolution Mixtape 2021. Who we got on track one? We have the amazing the imminent a scholar uh and just an impressive brother desmond williams desmond williams the one and only we met the one and only so we we did a me and kev did a uh school to prison pipeline presentation in um in for the harris county school district in texas um i understand that it's near houston am i right about that i think so i, I think so, so. but we're we, about to we be, um, be wrong and if Shout we're out wrong to harris we're gonna county be, though um, blast. Oh, also, I need to issue a correction. Our friend Joanna Brown is not, in fact, in whatever in Nebraska. She's actually in Washington State. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got that real wrong. But Joanna's a dope person and she's real cool. Anyway, so uh, we were we were doing a conference in Texas and we had this uh, we had this dude, uh, you know, bring some pretty great energy. Um, I felt some kind of dozens in the chat, you a little bit of dozens energy in, in the, the chat. chat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, but like it's you, you meet somebody and what we say. So like we started talking, but like, you know, we meet people and as men of color, 
we we tend to have this thing like you know like you might meet somebody at the basketball court or you know yeah. like you might be like at the at the field you know or or just out and you meet somebody someone brings somebody new right yep. and so right away you're like man who is this cat who's this right? cat <laughs> who is this cat what you know, is who this are you person where about, are you coming right? from you, you, so trying you, you trying to ball? You trying to ball right now? You you gotta. That's what lets you know. You know, game recognized game. Yeah. And so, like, I think like it was one of those relationships where it was like, oh, all right, all right, oh, okay. And then and then we realized as we walk away from the court, it's like, oh, you you real tight. I like that's you. Right. You a real right. one. You a real one. Let's kick it. Let's kick it. That's right. You know. Oh. And so that's how Desmond, like our relationship with Desmond, feels. It's it's like, you know, whatever we we. Uh, meet black educators I feel like we, we just build those relationships That's and, right. and, and, and we and, and thankfully you know he 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 co-signed for us he's like all right he all that's right true. that's true I like what y'all are rocking with I respect yep. y'all I respect y'all <laughs> yep that's right he he uh definitely um brought that energy and he'll talk about when he saw our session title on uh on the program he's like how are they trying to be dope? I'm going to come and check it out. And, uh, you know, so it was pretty great. And so De Desmond is the author of the of the book, The Burning House. And it's a study of how to support black boys uh, in the educational process. Um, spoiler alert, the current system doesn't really work for black boys. Oh, OK. Yeah, this sorry. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Spoiler um, alert. He's also the founder of the Nylinka educational consulting company um he's been teaching he he was he taught for years was a school leader and then moved into um this venture which um is highly experimental as well um but just really is doing some amazing work um if you're curious about nylinka you can go to nylinka.com i believe and we'll link that on the site uh give the brother some work because yes he's, doing he's some got really he's got good work. stuff out there he does. He does. And you know, do the real work. One of the, the things, one of the things, Kev, is as you and I toil away in our classrooms, in the in the schoolhouse, in the schooling system, we keep coming across these individuals who have taken these courageous leaps um, to sort of take the FUBU approach, the forest bias approach, and um, and do something where they can kind of dictate the terms of the work. Um, I think it's a really powerful example. I think it gives us a lot of ways to to think about what a future looks like um, beyond schooling. Wouldn't you say? Right, right. You know, and I think that's what we, you know, I think in any revolutionary work, you have to envision what does it look like after the revolution. And so, like, I think these types of conversations with Desmond, you know, tell us that, like, when we think about education, we have a very Western kind of colonized mindset about it. You know, I think, and Dr. William Smith uh, points this out too. How can we shift it and make it like physically look different, right? Or where we're not replicating the same processes over and over that we know are not designed to liberate, right? That's and right. so in the spirit of the revolutionary mixtape, uh, in the spirit of two dope nation, in the spirit of the ancestors and the struggle, yep. you know, here's our man, Desmond Williams. Here he is. And, uh, you know, and, in, and also in the spirit of the black educators who are being run out of their jobs at this time of year, uh, you know them, we know them. 
And we just want to offer to those individuals that there is a path outside of the existing system. So uh, for, uh, you might want to get comfortable with this one, get a notebook out because this man has uh, pearls to drop and uh, you, you'll just need to get comfortable because he's got a lot to say and uh, we're absolutely here for it. So without any further ado, 2021 Revolution Summer Mixtape Track 1, Desmond Williams. Folks, we are here with a scholar and a gentleman, Mr. Desmond Williams, M-A-E-D. How you doing today, sir? Good brothers. Mr. Kevin, Mr. Gerardo, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Welcome. Well. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. Well. And uh, so we met at a... Uh, at this uh, Innovation in Education conference that was out of Houston um, a while back. Back in mm -hmm. April? It was in April, right? It's April, all... Yeah. What are dates even now? But yeah, yeah. And, uh, what is a date? What is a, <laughs> what is a date? Right. Who knows? It's a, this is the longest March ever. March has been fifteen months long, um, and we, you know, we we presented yeah. on uh, the school prison pipeline, how how we disrupt it in daily practice and that kind of thing. And you attended the session, and you stood out to us right away. Uh, and yes. we were able to make a connection and uh, get to talking. So I think you were like dropping some some like hip hop lyrics at bars <laughs> in the in the chat, and so we always take note of those folks. Yep. Oh, can oh. I can I say this? You can say this. Say I, I think I'm dope, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> when when I go to conferences, I'm like, who's dope is me? Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. Who's, who's dope is me, right? So I was I was going into other rooms and um, they put me uh, they put me in a slot with um, I can't even think of his name now the guy who runs the school Ron Clark oh they yeah put, Ron Clark they, they put me in his time slot <laughs> and um, shout out to uh, Erica Dotson who yes uh, yes a friend of mine from Howard but um, you know is a good friend of mine post Howard and, and my work as a um, working as a consultant. And I said to her, you guys put me on at the same time as Ron Clark. She was like, you gotta, you gotta go in there and do it. Um, just do your thing. And I was like, all right. All right. But <laughs> after, after my session, I was fishing around going into the other sessions and yes. I was like, these sessions are not that good. Yes. I landed in you all session. And I was like, yo, these, these dudes are actually dope. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, these dudes are these dudes are dope. And a friend of mine who um actually presented after you all's time slot, she was like, Oh, Desmond, this is this is really good. They got uh, you know, they got Ron Clark, they got blah 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 blah. They got two dope teachers. And I was like, I 
I've never heard of two. I've never bro. heard of these guys. She was like, "Oh, you." She's like, "You gonna like them? You gonna like them?" And I was like, "I ain't gonna like. I don't like nobody." Yeah, yeah. Especially when someone tells you, you go, "You like? I'm like, gonna tell me what I'm like." That's that hood friendship, right? It's like, yeah. I'm gonna I'm tell my like my beef. I'm come. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna see them. I'm gonna see what they about. Yeah. When I first got into you all session, you all had put up the link, um, and I'm I'm gonna misrepresent what it is. But the land acknowledgement link, yes, yes. like whose land are we actually on? And I had never seen or heard anything like that. So that was like that was the hook like, yeah. that that brought me in, and I and I just decided to stay and and listen and learn. And yo, not well, we appreciate that. it. You yeah, know, you're bringing that energy though. You were bringing that energy. That's, that's what you want. That's what you want. You know, you want people. You know, I was I love my students and colleagues who sit there and they're like, yo, yo, you know, I grow, from, you grow from that, you know, from, from the people who are like, yo, you think, you think, you really think you all that, you know, let's yeah. see what you got, what yeah. you got, what you yeah, got. What you got. You know? what you, what you got. <laughs> you know, so that means yeah. a lot. That means and, a lot. And shout out, to have our, you. shout out to our mutual friend, uh, Haley Braden, who actually, she was the first person I saw do a land acknowledgement. Um, yes. We presented at a Youth Celebrate Diversity Conference la at the end of last summer, Kev, if you remember that. And then, yes. um, and then our dude, soon to be Dr. William Anderson, uh, was the one that um, added on the um, the acknowledgement that the country was built on um, unpaid labor, and yes. uh, and that and that it was on the backs of stolen labor and that kind of thing. So yeah, that that was something we were able to kind of cobble together um, for sure. So Haley and Will, shout out to y'all. Shout out, shout out at some point. So yeah, so we we met Desmond. Uh, we had chance to to catch up with him afterwards, and um, man, th folks, this is um, this this is that dude. And that I think dude. he's really gonna enjoy. <laughs> this is that dude. Um, I think you're gonna enjoy what we're we're gonna we're gonna run the gamut of different topics of conversation. Um, from the the work that that he did in writing his book, The Burning House: Educating Black Boys in America, all the way to top five rappers. Um, but the thing that we really uh, take a big interest in, uh, where we come from in Denver, Colorado. Uh, we, we feel like unicorns. We feel like we are the manifestations of a being that you think might exist, that you've heard has exist. Some people have even claimed to see them in real life, and that is the male teacher of color. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we are always curious as to how fellow black and brown men came into education. So how did you come into teaching? Uh, what in your background put you on this path? And, you know, I, I'm really interested and we were talking about this, you know, in just conversation beforehand, how the city of Detroit played a part in shaping the person you would become. Repeat that for me, uh, uh, Gerardo. Repeat that, did that for freeze? me. You, um, you, you started you, sticking. You, yeah, yeah you froze up. Uh, good times. I might have to learn to be efficient with my questions. Okay, so um, so what in your background put you on the path to becoming a teacher? And what role did your hometown of Detroit play in the person that you would become, um, especially professionally? Yeah, so there were, thank you for that question. There were two things I wanted to be growing up. Um, I wanted to build transformer toys. Yes. And the second thing, um, I, I was just into toys when I was a kid. I was the only child. Yes, yes, only child gang, <laughs> only child gang. Can you tell that Kevin was an only child? <laughs> Shout out to the only child in the family. 
and uh, Transformers blew my mind. So I used to um, want to draw and design not just cars, but like the robots that they would turn into and yes. vice versa. The other thing that I wanted to do when I got older, um, I, I was in love with uh, with sitcoms from the 90s. So Cosby Show, Family Ties, Cheers, yeah. um, yeah. Family Matters. I used to write yep. um, scripts to my own. Oh, no. I love that. I love so that. Great. Like I, I thought I was funny, not in a class clown kind of a way, but I was clever, right? Like witty, yeah. clever, and ready to be in a TV writing room. <clears throat> that, that, that was what I wanted to be growing up, and it it didn't materialize. And I had a, a negative experience with a teacher, yeah. um, freshman year in high school, um, who basically told me that me wanting to be a sitcom writer was was stupid and silly, wow. and she took. Um, basically like a book that I had filled with like scripts that I had written and threw it in the trash. Oh man. So that was like that. Wow. End, that was like the end of school for me. I um, was an A student yep. from like kindergarten all the way up until like at that point, I that finished moment. high school with like just over a 2.0 GPA. Yeah. But um, I kind of decided um and, uh, you know, to make a long story short, I ended up in junior college and I yeah. said, you know what, I think I either want to be a lawyer or an educator. And I really wanted to be a lawyer because, you know, lawyers aren't broke, yeah. um, which is not really a good reason. So it was it was pretty on. It was pretty early on my, at, during my time at Howard when I decided I wanted to go full fledged into becoming a teacher. But that's yeah. the. That's the story in a in a nutshell. Yeah, um, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of teachers in my family. I didn't have a lot of lawyers either. But um, teaching just seemed the right way to go. And part of it was subconsciously, um, I wanted to not. I didn't want other people to have that experience that I had with yeah. that ninth grade teacher. And yeah. it's it's interesting. I can remember all of my teachers from pre K all the way up. Yeah. I do not remember that lady's name. Wow. Yeah, no, I, oh, I can mind. relate. My mind won't let me remember wow. who, who she is. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that was kind of um, the the impetus to become yeah. an educator. Wow. I can relate when you say I, I never wanted to be that educator. I wanted to prevent that because that mm -hmm. was a lot of my motivation, you know, and I, I think that 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 just it's so upsetting, right? Because I see my students who sit there and I've seen it, other teachers do this, you know, um, where, they, where they crumble up students' drawings, right? Oh. The drawings that students have been working on. I've had students who just love to just sit there and draw or write, write stories or read books or whatever. And a lot of times those students are also the most engaged students in the class, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I'm like, you cook, because you answer my questions. I had this one, we, we both had shared a mutual student who would take the most incredible notes during class and then like draw along like artistic interpretations of what was going on in yeah. the notes, right? Yeah. Like this student it is, is, and I don't know if this student today is, is working towards an art career. I don't think uh, she is, but, but just an incredible, truly, amazing talented artist and it's if, just, ta if you're student. talking about if this is the same person i'm thinking of i think she's not 
pursuing an art degree, but she still has her own art business that she's. Yes, in. there we go. Incredible yeah. artist. If it's Incredible the same person. Yeah. Yes, mm. I think it is. But uh, just, you know, but you, we think about those things and those simple moments. And that teacher could have just worked with you and said, wow. I think about it today, like sitcom writer. That was a, at, at the time where you were talking. You, that was your career. Like we, we, we missed out. I missed out on some important yeah, we missed uh, out on television binge watching yep. during the pandemic yep. because mm-hmm. this teacher, you know, crushed your dreams. Well, I think, I think but that, I, I think this goes back to your point. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, you go, you go, you go. What were you going to say? Um, no, but I mean, I think, oh, <laughs> see. So, so here's what's happening. <laughs> we're having, we're having a little bit of a lag on my end. And so just, just keep talking. It's fine. Like we, if we talk over each other, it's all good. No, problem. <laughs> you go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> it's a real conversation. Yes. Yeah. But thinking about your book, uh, the burning house, educating black boys in America, you state from the word go that even though your K through 12 experience, you hadn't realized how culturally inadequate your education was. Um, can you like talk about like, in terms of those like, tying those experiences of that teacher, not even being able to recognize like part of your culture, your identity as we, we kind of were speaking about before mm-hmm. was like this desire to be a sitcom writer, right? Mm-hmm. How does that relate to that realization of like the cultural inadequacy of education and, and, and how has that played into kind of where you are today? Yeah, so good, good question, Kevin. And I think to some degree, the experience with that teacher was an anomaly. Like I don't, it was, I don't think- It was unusual. Yeah, it was, I don't think she was, she wasn't a bad teacher. Um, and I don't think she- understood the depth of um what she was doing then I never saw her mistreat any other students as a matter of fact this was the end of that semester yeah I never saw her um mistreat other students I hated the books we were reading oh my god like (laughs) the heart is a lonely hunter and animal farm and oh my god we read to kill a mockingbird it's like oh my god like (laughs) But um, that's not a that's not a reflection of her. Yeah. Um, but that experience, um, I didn't know at the time, but there was there was a lot of scar tissue from from that experience that I didn't really recognize until I was in my early twenties, like ten wow. years later. Wow. Yeah. Um, when I was like in the classroom. Yes. Like it took it took a while to figure that out, but um, connecting that to the cultural inadequacies is, is um, they're connected to the degree that um, what is education supposed to be? It's supposed to help people solve the problems in their community. And if you have an education that's not allowing you to solve problems in your community, but you get to drive a BMW, can you really say that you're educated? Yep. Like if we can't deal with police genocide, if we can't deal with miseducation, yeah. If we can't deal with global warming. Yep. Right. If we can't even Have agree food in our neighborhood, if, if food deserts, if we can't even agree, if we can't find a way to get our politicians to sit down and have um, cordial conversations without throwing mud and blaming, mm-hmm. are we really, are we really an educated society? If we can't even so, agree, like that. take, 
if we can't even agree that black lives matter all right so so taking you know me wanting to build transformers and and sitcoms off the table yeah like what is an education what does an education for black people look like that's helping them solve white supremacy that's actually the ultimate question yes so when you think about um because so far as i'm concerned that's the biggest problem on the planet yeah and and some people i'm a i'm a i'm turning into a huge noam chomsky fan and he talks about yes um, i love the noam chomsky resurgence that is yes that's like the greatest thing it's it's been consistent He's my he's my Every guy. Every decade since the nineties yeah. since I first learned about him. Yeah, yeah. He he talks about global warming and um and nuclear disarmament as being the two biggest yep. issues on the planet. Yep. Yeah. But and he's probably right. I wouldn't want to be on a stage debating him. But from my perspective, <laughs> yeah. from yeah. a perspective of <clears throat> black and brown people across the diaspora, racism is an existential threat. Yeah. To black and brown people. Yep. I'm yep. sorry. To people of color. About that. Yep. Yeah. 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 So if you have an education that's not solving that problem, like how are we considering ourselves educated? And one of the things that I talk about in a book specifically for black people is we have to decide what does education look like for us? Is it simply, and simply is a bad word to use there, but is it the opportunity to have access to the middle class? Because if it is, you can make some tweaks to the system as it exists yeah. and, and black people, and brown people and people of color can live and thrive in that system. That's right. But it, but it won't solve racism. Yeah. No. I, I it, think won't, it won't create people who want to um, be within and without systems and attempt to solve that problem. Th- this is and, and and I think that's where the connective tissue is yeah. between that experience when you think about oh the heart is a lonely hunter. <laughs> You know, you can't be a sitcom writer, Desmond. Like that—that—that's where the connective tissue is. There, it was all, it was all, it was all useless. Yeah. Right. It's all useless. Like the, the sitcom writing, the, the heart is a lonely hunter. She she threw my book in the trash because it was a distraction from her teaching the heart is a lonely hunter. Right. And but I think that's like, saying, what's the point of the heart is a lonely hunter? You're kind of saying that it's like, well, okay, uh, it could be argued that writing sitcoms is useless when it comes to solving problems of race and racism but it but also the heart is a lonely hunter is also useless when it comes to doing that so you have two equal things uh one is the one that uh, got prioritized was not more important than the one that got thrown in the trash um but it wasn't even treated as being an equal thing is is that kind of what you're getting at yeah, there, it's like, what, why are you putting more weight on one versus the other? And use and useless is not the is not the best sure, term. Sure. But um, when you when you look at it in terms of solving racism, yeah, yep. they're useless. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and and, that, and that's the point, and that's where the connective tissue is, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, talk around the answer. No. But yeah. No, no, I I love it. I love the connection that you made you know because like it 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 is interesting you know and i think like in my classroom i always try to encourage students you know to like how can we it's so like i if i were you know like we're studying whatever you know um the chicano movement in denver like and you're in, awesome. interested in sitcom writing let, let let's write a sitcom 
where we highlight this stuff, right? You know, it's mm -hmm. like, how do we, how do we help kids understand, right? Because I think like sitcom writers, like there are people out here, there, there's white sitcom writers who took your place, right? And, yeah. and, and, and they are replicating the systems of oppression, right? Yeah. And, and they've been writing black characters and, and doing that stuff, you know, but, but I hear what you're saying. It's like, and, and I love, I love Deb Prez and I, I always go to their song, They Schools, you know, like, mm. like if education. Yeah. Why haven't you learned anything? Right, yeah, if <laughs> education isn't beginning. giving me what I Come need, off. you know, we know if you haven't heard the song, why are you even, let's pause Don't this podcast. Don't make me turn it on, I got it. Don't right. listen to it right Don't now. Don't make me turn it on. I think every teacher <laughs> should listen to it over and over and ask yourself, what are you doing? But I think it goes back to that point is, what is going to help me solve the problems that are in front of me each day that I come home to, right? Or help me better understand the system that I'm navigating. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And part of it, I think, is also understanding ourselves, especially as we think about like social emotional health, right? Which I think we need creative outlets are, I think, important too yeah. in our communities other than like what's just been there. I want, ahead, I want to jump in because I think I think also like yes to all that, definitely. And Desmond, there's another thread that I just want to pull on for a second that I thought was really important. And that is that if the goal is a middle class income, right? That's, that's something that can be achieved mm -hmm. by math. All right. So what we do is we take a bunch of children of color and we put them in DECA, no shade to DECA, good stuff. Um, we put them in these opportunities where they can, you know, get business degrees and then go make that money. And then what we do is we gradually see the income bracket go up, right? And then we see more people of color moving <laughs> to middle class like spaces. But that that's just a mathematical thing. And you know, it makes me think of of our friend Zainab and how she kind of argued on an episode a few months ago that really like independence is a high aspiration for a learner, but interdependence is the highest aspiration. It's not just what can you do for yourself individually, but what can you do in community with others to uplift others around you as well as yourself. And I, and I feel like, I feel like that's part of what you're saying is like my education was culturally inadequate because it didn't address these issues that, uh, people of color had been facing for generations and that um and it yeah. didn't have a community sort of impetus to it yeah it, it didn't solve the problems of the community and for our people in this country as a whole she's 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 absolutely right and you know your your point about um what it means to be middle class i you know and i'm i think i crapped on the heart is a lonely hunt i'm not <laughs> not crapping on on american literature sure sure sure, sure. it's hard. but i i i um just finished not just finished but around february finished um orwell's 1984 yeah and it it blew my mind mm -hmm. it, like it, it blew my mind and I, I don't know if you all are familiar with the book but yes oh, yeah. after the main character gets captured he's talking i think his name is winston and he's yep. you know being lectured by um, this uh, state head who's the um, representative of the oppressive party. And he says, you know, our goal is not to kill all of you off. Our goal is to convert you. And that was a mic drop moment for me to the degree that, yeah, you know, even though I can say racism is an existential threat to black people, 
the goal is to, um, when we speak of identity, is to um, educate black people, to educate brown people out of their identity. Yeah. If you wanna be successful in American schools, if you wanna be successful in American society, then you have to cast aside those cultural markers. Yeah, And that is, and we wonder why black boys are sagging their pants and wearing white t-shirts to school right. every day. Right. Right. They're trying to maintain some semblance of an identity in which the cult, the, the education is white. The teachers at the front of the room standing and talking. The content is white. The teachers right. are white. Yep. The heroes that are being spoken to is white. Yeah. And then you get to go out once you get this stamp of approval and go work for an organization that's probably run by someone who's white. And the highest aspiration is to and, be like the token. Well, and that's to like succeed, the yeah. If success. And to succeed. So when, so when kids, so when kids say, yeah, so when kids say, man, this is, you, what you learning, you trying to be white? Yep. They're not really far off. And we say, no, uh, intellectual pursuits are not something that's owned by white people, but that's not what these black kids are saying. Yeah. It's not what the Latinx community is saying. They're mm -hmm. saying, where, what space do black people, what space do people of color live in? They're not saying learning is white. They're saying, what have you left for us? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's an indictment on me, like as a teacher, yep. right? The guy in the front of the room yep, we all own with it. the shirt and tie, the guy with the shirt and tie, like, what have you left for me? Yeah. That's the, right. that's the million dollar question that they're asking. Yep. And until you answer that, they're gonna they're gonna sag their pants, they're gonna talk over you, yep. right? <laughs> they're gonna be passively aggressive, you know. And it, and I'm speaking, you know, in, in broad strokes there, but you're right. gonna see that counterculture. It, it's resistance schools because they're like, yo, you're you're whack. <laughs> they tell you, they're like, yo, you're whack. It's resistance, and they don't necessarily view it. They they don't they're not necessarily conscious of the fact that they are engaged in an act of resistance, but they are. Um and just like and be, before we get to the next question, there like, you know, when you talked about how um the educational system as we know it is is incentivizing, I, I was gonna say encouraging, but that's not the word, is incentivizing um cultural suicide um to mm to divorce mm. yourself let me write that down i'm learning <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it's incentivizing this um you know it makes me think and kevin and i have talked about this a lot just in our professional practice um the indian boarding schools kill the indian save the man it's an example it's, and, and it's it makes me example. Think, and it makes me think of the of the 215 graves that they found in canada mm -hmm. and you know, we, we, this is actually a genocide. This is actually a matter of life and death for our children. So I just really thank you for, for putting that out there. Kev, you want, you it's, why, it's why you see them holding on to it right now, trying to pass laws against teaching critical race theory, right? Because they, they, they are, uh, they know that like uh, resistance to it is rooted in education. Right, and it's whatever, or or submission to it. It's all about how the education system works. Yeah, and they and they are saying that we want the education system to maintain this oppressive nature. Yeah, you know, and it, and we will do it by any means necessary. If we have to pass laws, if we have to start 
arrest like the big freedom of speech people they gonna be arresting and rounding up teachers right teachers are teaching in their classrooms right mark yeah, and, and i was um had this what i thought was going to be a dope contract with uh with the department of defense and yes. uh, you know i did a book study with this group of teachers in uh in okinawa and um the principal called me she said uh Mr. Williams, we have to cancel the contract. And I said, well, oh, wow. Wait, 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 what's up? What's happening? You know, I got, and she said, um, you didn't hear about President Trump, President Trump. Oh, yes. Order. Yes. This was um, October-ish. Yep. This yep. was October-ish, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right before the election. Right before the yeah, election. Yeah, that no, that no federal funds would be used to have conversations about um, DEI kinds of activities. Wow. Um, and I said, he can't do that to me, <laughs> right? Man. But we, we just have to remember that all institutions, whether it's the economy, um, labor, law, education, they're all designed to replicate and reproduce themselves. So if I were trying to replicate white supremacy, we wouldn't be talking about race in school. And it's kind of weird yeah. they're saying culture, um, you know, culture, uh, Crit critical CRT. Asian. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird that they're saying CRT because that's not the same thing. It isn't. It's not. It's right? not. Uh, shout out to Derek Bell, but it's it's a completely yeah. different thing. But but again, I wish what, teachers what were I, teaching CRT all throughout the country. <laughs> CRT is just confusing. Like it would just be confusing for people. Yeah, <laughs> but one of one of my theoretical it's the law that got pushed pushed into politics, but. One of the things that um, Neely Fuller says is that the people who practice white supremacy, they're playing they're playing chess on multiple boards. Yeah. Right. So this is really not about critical race theory at all. This is no. about this is about the continued replication of a system that's giving a desired output. That's right. And if you like, we really shouldn't be having conversations about should we? Um, and this is oppressed people. I'm speaking of when I say we. The conversation should be about where can we go and teach our children critical race theory if that's what we want to do? That's yeah, actually yeah. the real conversation. No, nah, that's right. Is it a brick and mortar school? Let's go buy a building. Yep. Like, it, like your $2, my $2, let's yeah. pool our resources and then we'll teach what we want to teach yeah. as opposed to arguing with people with power about what's going to be taught in their schools. Yep. Like, <laughs> duh, duh, black people, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I wrote the book. Stop. Stop yeah. talking about the lack of black male educators. Stop. Mm -hmm. You don't have black male educators because you don't own anything. If yeah. you owned your schools, you could you hire black, black male people. educators. But since you don't, they're like field goal kickers. It's one or two on every team. <laughs> yeah. And that's how the, that's how the game is played. You yeah. bring this dude in to kick kick a field goal when you're in trouble. The kids is wilding out, right? Yeah. All them black boys over there wilding out in the cafeteria. It's Someone has to hit it. Right. The yard field goal. Mr. Somebody got to kick it. It's the field goal kicker. Go out there and get it. And you mm -hmm. trot out there with your lack of muscles and your Mark <laughs> Mosley crossbar. You kick, yeah. a 60, kick a 60 yarder in the snow. That's black male educators. That's yeah. true. Fourth and 19. Win the championship. Fourth and 19. We got a punt. We're yeah. going to fake it. Go get that 20 yards. Black male teach. What? Yeah. What? It's yeah. all on you. It's, it's all on you. 20. I got my kids. Don't you see me in the net? 
practicing, I'm kicking. <laughs> exactly. That's your job as a black male educator. And that's that's not going to change if you don't get your own school. So I'm not. That's been something that's been on my mind a lot. Like uh, that's been on my mind a lot as we sort of think about, you know, the nature of, of the system that we're in. It's, it's kind of like, you know, and it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's hugely revelatory to say, no, nah, it's actually the system that is the problem. I don't think that's a hot take. Um, but I think that as we start living through living our lives in, in, um, in kind of rhythm with that understanding it does start pressing some really important issues as to who owns our schools and who, who is going to actually take ownership of educating communities of color. And, you know, to your point, you know, when, uh, when the former president starts pushing these agendas, you know, this doesn't affect him, doesn't affect his life in, in the immediate sense. Um, but there are these decisions that, that come down institutionally that affect ch children that don't make a difference to the people making policy you know um you, you started to talk a little bit about black males and black boys and the and the book um is very focused it's it's a great graphic I, I wish i brought it downstairs with me um it's a great graphic of all of the factors that play into the marginalization of black boys in our education system um and your work in advocacy has zeroed in on black boys in american schools can can you speak to this a little bit and can you can you say why, you know, kind of how you view this as, as an issue? Yeah, I, I, I started my career as a, a special educator in the hood. So I was a um, de facto teacher of all boys, right? Yes, and, yes. In, in two years at this particular school, um, well, about the first four years of my career, I was a special education coordinator. I taught four girls out of probably 64, 65. Wow. Yep. Seven kids, right. Yeah. Only four girls. Yeah. Bookend that with the latter part of my career, being a teacher and a principal of an all boys school. Yes. Right. So the jour, yeah. like all boys, um, also in the hood. Um, like I didn't, I didn't necessarily know what a school for black boys should look like. What, like, what should a classroom for black boys look like? Yeah. And, um, you know, I had uh, a degree from Howard University under my belt. Shout out to Howard University and the school HU. Of Ed, HU. And, and um, I had been a teacher and a principal. You know, I had been in education for approximately 11 years and really didn't have a clear answer to that question. Like, what should education look like for Black boys? So I started doing that work. Yeah. And it wasn't um, because I didn't care about um, black girls or, or black yeah. women. Yeah. Um, yep. As a matter of fact, at, at my career at the Bishop Walker School, the six years I was there, I got um, I moved in with a black woman. Then I married her. Yes. <laughs> then yes. We yeah. had one daughter. And then we yes. had another daughter. Yes. Yes. So um, the black it, women it, matter to you. <laughs> yeah, I, they, they absolutely do. And it's like it was just kind of this juxtaposed thing because my life was um, particularly when I moved into administration at BWS I just hired a bunch of black men so you're talking about a, a building which is yes I love it masculine masculine energy I love it I love and it. I would come I would come home with my wife and 
my then two year old and my my newborn daughter, and it was like the complete right, the complete opposite. Yep. 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 Um, but but that's kind of um, how I ended up in the work. And the, the other part of it was um, more experience. I did not see across the landscape. I was spending a lot of time on um, on Twitter, and yep. I didn't see conversations about because um, teachers even now. And I'm, I'm speaking of 2014, but even now, teachers right. run Twitter. Um, yeah. And there were tons of Twitter chats and all of these great resources and, yeah. you know, information sharing. But no Kevin real, doesn't know about Twitter. No, no real conversations about what was, what was happening with Black boys. There was an EduColor chat, which I believe is, um, shout out to Jose, that, that um, movement is still going strong and Chris yep. M and the hip hop ed that is going real strong, but there was no real conversation about uh, pedagogy yeah. as it related to black boys. So I jumped into that space saying, like who, who here cares about black boys? And I just yeah. kind of built a community, um, A, because it was important to me, B, because I didn't know, but I also because I knew if I didn't know that there were other people who didn't know it might just be in the dark searching for answers. Yeah. 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 And, and I know there was the work from, um, from uh, Pedro Noguera years ago, um, the trouble with black boys. And, you know, it touches on, you something. know, he's at, uh, he just moved. He's at Southern Cal now. Yeah. 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 He, um, I yeah. had a chance to meet him a couple of years ago and, um, oh, man. really interesting dude. In fact, it's a funny story about how I drove him to the airport, but we'll, we'll do that another time. Oh, man, talk <laughs> it was cool. He was surprised yeah. that there were black people in Denver. <laughs> um, and you know, I think a lot of, yeah. kind of, you know, have that experience with our city. And, uh, so it's kind of interesting, but you know, I, well, I side sidebar real quick. Yeah. Speaking of my heroes, uh, Dr. Alfred Tatum just took a job at the University of Denver. Oh, really? Oh, wow, really? Yeah. I didn't know that Dr. Tatum was coming to DU. Wow. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm about to I'm starting my work at DU uh, this That's fall. So, the, ru um, the rumor is because uh, he was at UIC. They yes. made an offer he couldn't he couldn't refuse, and he's been there for like three or four weeks now. That's the rumor. Wow. Oh wow! I'm yeah. Oh wow! I'm gonna go find yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's amazing. Like, and and the the work is so important. Um, you know, looking at this, and you know, thanks for sharing that because I think a lot of times when when scholars do come out and say this is the group that I am thinking about, um, there's always the reaction, oh, but what about? It's like the whataboutism that we have in our community sometimes, mm -hmm. and um, stating that this this was the community that that I was serving, and this is what I sort of um, looked at. So uh, that that's phenomenal stuff. So we're going to do one more question and then we'll head to a break. Uh, Kev, did you have- what, Yeah, Desmond, I just wanted to follow <laughs> up, you know, thinking about your work, what, what are some of the conclusions or things you've learned about the ideal pedagogical strategies, learning environments for like black boys when we start to think about it? Because I think that's the critical question. Oh man, get him something. Uh, that our listeners are probably, you know, wondering. Or, or struggling and, with. Right? And before you because, jump into that, Desmond, like I also want to say that, like, you know, um, that your book really meaningfully, in my opinion, builds on the work of Dr. Nogueira, um, because I think that was one area that was still pretty emergent in, you know, when he wrote the book 20 years yeah. ago, um, yeah. was the this is a fact that faces black and brown boys. 
Um, and then, you know, so it was more of a pedagogical framing where yours really builds off of that and talks about the how, not just the what. So um, I do think that that, that you, you, all I'm saying is get ready because I think you have a lot of good stuff to say about that. <laughs> yeah, no, thank, thank you for um, that compliment and thank you for that, that question, Kevin. And he's like, if, if I'm Jay-Z, he's Big Daddy Kane. Yeah. Ah, there it or, is. There it is. Or if, or if I'm Big Daddy Kane, he's Grandmaster Cass because that's, that's it. I heard I heard him speak at um, the Kozbach conference when I was on that journey. Okay. In 2015, and I was like, "Yo, this dude, this dude is a G." Yeah. And he and he wasn't at the conference. He was on a big screen. We were in a plenary session and eating. There you go. And you know, he was a researcher, but you could tell he had been doing the work. Some some researchers, I just can't. It's like, eh, I can't. I can't really get behind. Yeah. Um, and I I appreciate their contributions, but I think in a, in another sense, um, the people who are on the ground doing the work pass the smell test. Yeah. And I think we we eviscerate and um, ignore the life experiences of of teachers and educators because they don't have a doctor in front of their name. Yeah. But that's a another conversation but to your to your question Kevin you know Asa Hillier said um, our children and all children need love so you start there like can I give you a teacher that loves you um, right then after then after that like how are we looking at this notion of instructional inequity how are we talking about differentiation like in my work what I have found is that the principals who think their schools are differentiating, they're not differentiating. No, that's right. So what, so what you what you have is well-intentioned teachers who are teaching to the middle. We don't have enough tools as teachers and enough of a reservoir of resources that help us learn our students' learning styles and then give us more tools and resources to cater to those different learning styles. So I, I talk um, in chapter five of the book, like here are some activities that you can do that get your students up and moving. I talk about brain-based differences between boys and girls, but I also highlight that there's no real research that says if your children are up and moving and engaged and things of that nature, that is gonna have a harm to girls. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of research that says that girls benefit from that, just to, that movement and that engagement, that conversation, just as much as boys. Yep. But I, I, in my work, I deal with a lot of um, instructional inequity, teachers being centered um, in the middle of the conversation or in the middle of the activities, taking that information um, and unbanking it, as uh, Paulo Freire said, oh, and as very, you know, yeah. Janice, had, Janice Hale said, like, putting that onus on an educator. And we saw some of that. Yep. We, we talk about this notion of, um, of differentiation. We thought we could never differentiate for environment, right? Yeah. We had kids learning in their living rooms, the dining rooms, the bedrooms, yeah. right? So we were able to differentiate when it is the focus. But a lot of times, Um, taking love out of the equation, taking the teacher is, is very harmful to boys because we're asking them to sit 
for um, excruciating hours on end, right? Yep. And that's not just high school. That that's mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. in Lower preschool, grade, yeah. right? Yeah. When you when I started teaching in two thousand and one in DC public schools, we had um, forty standards for kindergarten, ten for math. 10 for reading, 10 for science, 10 for social studies, Okay. right? You fast forward to the advent of the Common Core. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of those, and, and, and Common Core wasn't packaged like that. It's like, oh, this is going to make your life simpler. Right. There are less standards, which is not true at all. No. But in 2000, it's, it's an arms race because in 2001, that kindergarten now looks like preschool. And and kindergarten now yeah. looks like the middle of first grade yeah. in two thousand and one. No, that's a hundred percent accurate. That's a hundred percent accurate. My my spouse is an ECE teacher, and this is what she points yeah. out: is she's like, what I'm teaching for for like ECE is becoming so academic, and it isn't it's an arms race. It, it's it's a, and I love how you describe it as an arms race. That that's gorgeous. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I I just that made me feel some type of way, <laughs> and so I was like, that is so true what you're saying. Yeah, she's she's absolutely right. So I mean, and you look at so is it any wonder that black boys make up 19 percent of the pre K population, but 45 percent of the suspensions and expulsions? No. When you're making three-year-olds sick, when you look in, in bigger cities with, with more um, charter schools, the school day is longer. Yeah. Yep. They're, not, yep. they're not taking naps. Yep. The day is longer and the academic demands are more. Yeah. Yeah. So those, so those are some of the conversations we're having um, and thinking about it through the, through the lens of uh, not even, you can't even say equity, but just like, what are the best practices yeah. for these children? And it's not going to harm, it's not going to harm your girls. They just, yeah, that's right. You know, it's they, not going to hurt the white kids. Not going to hurt the white kids. <laughs> not going to hurt the white kids. And, and as a matter of fact, when you read Leonard Sachs, when you read the boy crisis and yeah. um, white boys fail, white boys ain't burning it up like they <laughs> used no, to. No, that's right. That's They're not burning it up like they used to yeah. because of some of those same because of some of those same factors that happen um, within the school building. Yeah. And what I would actually say that I can hear that I'm, you know, looking back on the book, um, it, there's echoes of Gloria Letts and Billings work around culturally responsive pedagogy. Um, the, the really like sort of seminal article, in my opinion, that she wrote was, but that's just good teaching. And I think your, I think your work highlights a very similar argument that, yes, you could say that this is good teaching. But what we are saying is when these conditions are not in place, mm-hmm. black boys and brown boys are disproportionately harmed by their absence. So it's not that we are giving preferential instruction or special treatment or asking you to change your practice just for one group of people. What we're asking you to recognize is that these are things that work for all children. And when they are not there, it is more harmful to some children than others. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes the conversation of, um, if I'm not thinking about you when we're at the table making decisions, you will be harmed. That's right. You know, it's, it's like um, I invite Kevin over to my house and, uh, you know, I make my favorite meal and then he sits down and he's like, I'm, I'm a vegan. <laughs> it's like, listen, boy. You're going to sit down at this table. Eat this vegan food. 
You're like, this is just good food. You're going to eat this non-vegan. Like this is for everyone. Right. And, and that's, that's education in America. Like that, that's, that's it. Yeah. Um, You know, there's, there's no prefix. There's, There's a prefix menu here. You just can't come in here and ask us to make a milkshake, even though there's like milk and ice cream right there. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like, okay, I, I'm looking at the blender. I'm looking at the milkshake. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the ice cream, <laughs> looking at the milk. I see the blender. How come I can't get a milkshake? It's like, no, we don't, we don't do that. Here. We don't make milkshakes here, but you have all the capabilities. Um, yeah. We're, we're going to get to one more question um, and then we'll take a quick break. So I, th- and I think this is kind of um, th- like, you're already kind of addressing this question. Um, but this metaphor of the burning house, um, I really, I think it's dope how you just go room to room and each room represents some element of this burning house that is the education of black boys. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, why it was you decided to share the story in that manner and, um, and kind of about that going room to room approach when it came to uh, this work? Yeah. So I was, um, I started writing the book, um, when I had moved back into administration and uh, I was, I had a lot of ideas and I was putting things down and the, the, t- the initial title of the book was gonna be the work. And um, there was just a lot of conversation am- amongst practitioners, you know, who's, who's willing to do the work? Who's, yeah. who's doing the work? So I was like, this is gonna be the dopest title ever, the work. Yeah. And I would say <laughs> a few months before I was ready to turn in a manuscript, um, I learned that Wes Moore was publishing a book called The Work. Ah, bruh, no. <laughs> I'm not I'm not ready to compete with 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 Wes, with Wes Moore yet. Not yet. <laughs> and um literally I was was taking all of that stuff out, the work and da-da-da-da-da. And I just got lost on YouTube and I was watching um a Martin Luther King interview. May 8th, 1967, he was doing an interview with NBC News. Yeah. He was reflecting and lamenting on the, the civil rights movement and yeah. like what the gains were. And he, w- he was actually quoting James Baldwin. Yep. But he said, you know, I um, you know, felt like we had integrated into a burning house. And I, I just started thinking, um, he's not saying it um, because he was just too much of a gentleman and, and too much right. of a um, a wise man, yeah. but to a large degree, they, did, they didn't get what they had wanted from the civil rights movement. And there right. was still lots of lots more work to do, yeah. which he actually did say. And um, I said, that's, that's education for us. Yeah. Because there's some things that we got and on a surface level, <laughs> right? You can see um, black and brown children um, graduating from high schools, graduating and getting four-year degrees. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned in chapter one that, um, you know, the, um, the percentage of Black Americans with a four-year degree has risen from approximately 13% to 22% yeah. since, uh, over the last 25 years. Yeah. But, but how can this be a burning house? It can be a burning house because you still have um, black people living in poverty. We're still not solving the problems in our community. Right. Our reading rates are no different uh, in 2018 and 19 when I was writing the book 
than when uh, Jawanza Kanjufu wrote uh, that the conspiracy, countering the conspiracy to destroy black men, yeah. where fourth and eighth graders were reading at approximately um, 12 and uh, 12 and 14 percent of fourth and eighth graders were reading proficient in 1988. Like, how can those numbers stay the same? Yeah. If you're not talking about a mass conspiracy yeah. um, to destroy black people, right? Yeah. So I, I I go from room to room explaining what that racist what that racism looks like as meticulous meticulously as I can, and try to explain to the reader that fire doesn't stop when it gets to a threshold and when it gets to a wall. Yep, it's going to continue to burn and. So there's some kind of an intervention that stops it. So what's happening in special education is going to impact your curriculum. What's going to, what's happening with your curriculum is going to impact how teachers teach and how teachers teach is going to impact student behavior and so on and so forth. Yeah. Powerful. Powerful. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to hear a little bit about the work uh, that Desmond's been doing um, with his organization, a little bit about why I left the classroom. And of course, we're gonna hear about top five rappers, all that when we're back on Two Dope Teachers and a Mic. Stick around. Hello, listener. If you've made it this far into the episode, perhaps you are enjoying this remix conversation about power, culture, and education. And if that's the case, please consider joining others like you, educators, community leaders, activists, scholars, artists, and youth by supporting the Two Dope Teachers in a Mic podcast and productions on Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you can get on-air shout-outs, sneak previews, and early released episodes, insider information on the happenings in Two Dope Nations, and many other small benefits. The greatest benefit, though, is you enable us to keep bringing the fire. Because of people like you, we have expanded to two podcasts with the exit interview taking flight and forcing hard conversations about attacks on black educators. And we've added new features, including episode transcripts and a revamped website, all because of listeners like you. But that's just the beginning. Your support will open up new possibilities for us and for the communities we represent and advocate for. And at the $15 per month level, you receive a sticker. Yes, folks, a sticker. To support the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash two dope teachers. That's patreon.com slash two dope teachers. All right, we are back, folks, here with Desmond Williams, who is just dropping gold bars. There is, is so right. much treasure that you've right. already heard Knowledge and, 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 and mined from, from Desmond's mind. Uh, so let, let's, let's keep going with this stuff. So Desmond, um, you know, I'm, it's always amazing when I meet a black educator, you know, who's passionate, a scholar, you know, and went into education with the goal of, of being transformative, meeting the needs, you know, you, you spent time really dedicated working with black boys, a special educator, um, you know, all of that. Um, to this point of, of where you are no longer in a traditional educational setting, right? And I think you've talked about it, some of the things before as we've talked about like, what, what, what do we expect to get out of school? But um, 
can you talk a little bit more about and, and just briefly because we hope to get you back on about uh, to our other podcast called the Exit Interview that I host with the wonderful Asia Lions to talk really in depth about um, your experience leaving uh, educational traditional education. Let's say, but can you just tell us a little bit about like what was it that triggered your move? out of a traditional school or your movement into leadership and then out of a traditional school or educational setting? So my, my movement into, into school leadership? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, um, I, I can make that a long conversation, but I, I will say um, it wasn't necessarily for the right reasons. Um, it, was, it was driven by income. I was, I was the teacher who was one of the first in the building and last out of the building. I was serious about my craft. Um, I was I was hell bent on teaching um, my students how to read. Um, I came through an alternative certification program, and the first thing they taught us was how to manage behavior and how to manage the special education process. But we didn't have that pedagogy. Yep. So I had kids in my class who were you know, reading on a first and second grade level, but they were in fourth and fifth grade and yep. I didn't know how to teach reading. So I was constantly studying. So I was a, I was a student and I think the schools that I worked at liked and appreciated that. And they said, this guy has administrator written all over him. Yes. They saw, they saw you really working hard, putting in the work. And yeah. what I think they always do to black male teachers who yeah. do that is they pluck you out and say, you they go here. Yeah, so I, um, my fourth year, um, my fourth year, I was at a, another school. I was at my second school. Uh, they made me a special education coordinator. And that was my um, segue, um, the beginning of my segue into administration because I left um, the classroom completely and went to work downtown in DC for the Office of Special Education. And after that, it was history. Yes. And I, I was um, I was having this conversation with a, um, a potential client the other day. Um, but I, I remember hanging out with some fraternity brothers. We hadn't gotten together in a long yes. time, right? Wait, what, what fraternity are you got you to gotta represent? I'm, I'm an alpha. Oh, uh, oh, okay. All right. All right. Shout, shout out to the hood. So we were, um, we, we were getting together to... Um, just to get together and we're, we were meeting at, um, you know, like the head alpha, right? Yes. Guy named Rob Burr. We were meeting at Rob's house and um, like, I remember my line brother pulling up in a BMW. Mm -hmm. And I remember this other brother who I respected pulling up in a, um, pulling up in a, uh, in a Land Rover. Yes. And I was, I was driving a fire engine red, uh, Volkswagen Jetta. Yes. Yeah. We and we were all the same age. Yes. Yeah. Like I, you know, I went to school with these guys, and mm -hmm. I was like, you know, these guys. I mean, you know, we're alphas, right? These guys yep. are smart. They're dope. Yeah. But I'm dope too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. So why am I? Living, why Why do I live in an apartment and drive a used fire engine red Volkswagen? Yeah. Yep. Like what What am I doing wrong? Right. So when the when the call to administration came, I, I jumped on it. Yes, yes. Because um, that was an extra um, thirty grandish in my pocket, yep. you know. And I, um, you know, in, in retrospect, I wasn't 
I don't think anybody is ready to be an administrator if they're coming fresh out the classroom. Yeah. Maybe, maybe some are, but I was not. Mm. Um, but that was my, that was my segue into administration. I ended up um, taking a principalship at a, um, a school for children with special needs here in DC yeah. uh, called National Children's Center. Shout out to NCC. NCC. Um, it, was a, it was a wonderful experience, but that was my, you know, I, I didn't necessarily, I was focused on um, the financial impact it would have for me yeah. and half for my parents. I, I mean, I was a, I was single. Yep. 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 Um, Only child. Back to that. And, yep. and in that, and in that sense, it was the right thing to do because if sure. I stayed at work till eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, yeah, it was no big deal. I didn't have a wife or children yeah. to worry about. Um, I didn't have family in the area. So in that sense, it was, it was the right thing to do. Um, because if I wanted to work a 70 hour week or if I needed to work a 70 hour week, it wasn't, I wasn't harming anyone. You could. You know? Yep. It, well, maybe yourself, but, um, but yeah, yeah. like nobody maybe who, yourself. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that, so that was a, the segue, but when you talk about, um, leaving, it was, it was really about family. Yes. Um, yeah. I had been, um, at the Bishop Walker school, which is an all boys private Episcopal school in the district. And, um, I think I think to some degree, as a leader, I'm a lot like Jim Harbaugh. If okay. um, if okay. I could bring in a sports analogy, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Where I I can wear out my welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can, I can, like I'm I'm super dogged, I'm yeah. super hard charging, and I'll yeah. yank the number one pick in a draft, and I'll replace him with the black guy that nobody's heard of. Yeah, like I remember. This is a great Jim analogy. Harbaugh I'm so here, I love it. Alex Smith with Kaepernick. People are like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. But I took that school to the Super Bowl. There you go. Um, you know, we're talking about a school that was a school with black boys. I made it a school for black boys. I had nine classroom teachers. Seven of them were black men. Yes. I had a staff of twenty-three. Um, Seventeen were black men. Um, I completely revamped uh, the pedic the curriculum, uh, the social studies and ELA units. I completely, with the help of two volunteer librarians, completely revamped um, wow. the curriculum, the libraries, the, the imaging of the school. Yes. Um, and and it just became a question of um, what else can I do here. Um, and there were some some other things that I wanted to do because when I was a classroom teacher, I said this is going to this is a demonstration classroom for black boys. Yes. And when I was promoted, I told the parents, I told my boss, I told my boss's boss, this is going to become a demonstration school for black boys. Mm. And at, at certain point, there was some, there was some pushback there. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to be mature enough to know. Um, speak if i can give another sports analogy we yep. run the west coast offense you can't okay. come in here and run a wishbone that's yep. right yeah 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 you can't, yep. 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 You can't yep. be darian hagan and jj flanagan and that's right you just can't run a wishbone here <laughs> love, love the cu references yeah, oh, the, the, yeah. you're not eric the enemy you, you right. are the enemy why are you trying to run a wishbone why are you trying to run the wishbone you have rashawn salam you have rashawn salam and and i appreciated that and i said you know, I 
think it's I think it's time. And my my um, boss, who was the um, CEO and fundraising, he was like, "Can you give it another year?" But I but in my mind, um, I didn't feel appreciated. Yeah. yeah. And there, there were some things that they really desired to do that they were doing that I didn't really agree with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the parents wanted it, right? And I was, I'm speaking specifically about the outplacement mm-hmm. and where we, because we were a K-5. Okay. So where we were sending our kids for middle school and I was like, you know, um, I don't know that parents really appreciate what I'm trying to do here. Of course, I yeah. was dead wrong. They did. Yeah. Because, um, you know, our, our children, our boys were going to some pretty um, high-flying Episcopal and private and independent schools. Yeah, yeah. You know, I still get calls from parents now, like that, that last class, they're, they're now moving to high school. Yes. So those kids who didn't go to six through 12 schools are transitioning to like high school now. Some of their parents, those parents are like, you know, Mr. Williams, if it wasn't for the foundation that you built for my son, I would have reservations about him going into that environment, but you helped yeah. me give my son the foundation that he needed. So that's beautiful. It, that's beautiful. It, thank you. It, it was, it was a lot around um, what I wanted to do that um, I knew they weren't going to allow me to do um, yeah. and not wanting to make, um, which was really a harmonious relationship turn yeah. into something toxic, you know, and, and, and in a lot of ways it's um, the Dave Chappelle interview with, Oprah Winfrey, when yep. he talked about, they asked him to put on the dress. Yeah, and I was yep. like, I know the dress. I know they're next year this time. I'm gonna be asked to put on a dress, and I'm not. I'm not doing it. It would have became toxic. I was like, I'm not. I'm not. So uh, yeah. yeah, that's why we gotta have you back for the exit interview because we want to get it. We want to give uh, that. There's there's more to this story. Uh, but we, we yeah. appreciate that. I love that. I love that. We got to yeah. get into because because we know about this dress. We know it's, about this it's, dress. It's purposefully not in the burning house. Right. It's, it's not in that book. Yep. And and that's because I left there on a high note. Sure. They have tons of respect for me. I have tons of respect for them. Um, and it could sound like axe grinding. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like all of these things are happening to black boys in schools, but this is what they do to black. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want it to have that kind of a feel. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, but ultimately, Harbaugh needs to go someplace where he can do anything he wants. Yeah, so it's that's, like, right. that's right. Go, go do what you want to do, and yeah. and and that's the reasoning behind starting a company, and it's ultimately ultimately going to be a shell to start my own school. We love that. Well, let's, let's move on to that topic then, man. Like, so let's talk about, um, about how you got the idea to start Nylinka School Solutions. What was your hope? How's it going? Um, and just like, you know, I, I come back to the website a lot because, you know, that this is a topic that comes up in Kevin and my school. Um, when we look at our, um, our students of color generally, and then I always think of boys of color. That was my experience. Like, I, you know, just a, a short anecdote. I think, I think the reason 
I, I behaved differently and in a more focused way when I got to high school. It wasn't because I became more goal oriented. It's because I saw what racism was doing to my black and brown friends. And I just tried to survive. Right. And so as I kind of look at what, like something about Nylinka really seems to transcend schooling and education. Um, so how does this work envision a greater picture of black liberation, you know, and just going over the site, like, and we'll link this to the episode, um, mm-hmm. but y'all got to really check out this site. Like it's, it's just, if you think, if you think the poetry of Desmond Williams is beautiful on this interview, look mm-hmm. at the site because the story's there and um, the reminiscences and the picture that's painted of how this organization um, is envisioned is really powerful, but yeah. So, so talk a little bit about this venture and um, you know, how it fits into this big picture. Yeah. The goal was to, the goal is to help schools and help school districts um, help black boys. And uh, you know, that that's always the, 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 the ultimate aim. I was at a conference. um, Simply put, that's what it's for. That's what that's that's what we do. Um, I was at the Black Educators Rock concert. I was in uh, Charlotte. Um, summer. Wait, 20- was Kevin there? I feel like Kevin needs to be there. The Black Educators Rock concert. <laughs> oh, this is um, this is uh, Tracy Oliver and uh, Dr. Melissa uh, Chester. Um, but their conference is every year, and uh, I was sitting at the table, sitting at a table with Baruti Kafele. What? for real sitting sitting at a a table right and um that's what's so great about black educators rock and and napsy that um you know dr pedro is just walking around right it's like alfred tatum is just walking around right (laughs) that's amazing dude you're a rock star like you want to you want to grab coffee yeah um but i'm sitting at the and it's just me and him right yeah a gentleman by the name of Dr. Chike Akua is about to give a keynote and I'm sitting there with, with, with Dr. Um, with Brother Kafele and I gave him a flyer to my book and he was like, yo, this is going to you know, this, this is going to be dope right here. We need this man. This, <laughs> He's so great. <laughs> he was like, you know what? He was like, Desmond, I'm going to tell you something. You got a wife. You, um, you got two kids. He was like, I just want you to remember my, in my experience to get to, to get the black boys I had to go through um, all of the other kids in the building. And he said that, and I was like, but, but brother Kafele, all I wanna do is support black boys. Yeah. He was like, listen to me, Desmond, you got a wife, you got some kids, you're smart, you're ambitious, but I'm telling you, I got there, I'm 30 years your senior, right? What you're gonna need to do is you're gonna have to open this up and then go around to get to black boys. And what happened um, last year this time after the, je- the death of George Floyd, because yeah. my book was released in February, right? I finally am ready to release a book, release the book on February 28th, the world shuts down with yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. After the death of George Floyd, I started getting yeah. a lot of calls for equity yeah. work, yeah. anti-bias, I mean, bias reduction work and things like that. And it, it literally was what Brother Kafele said. Um, I have to talk about equity yep whatever that means for a school right then as we lift up the hood say wait a minute no one's doing worse than black boys That's except right. for your black boys in special education yeah so it's it's um i tell people it's like you go to um 
Marshalls or TJ Maxx, right? And you know, you went there to buy some socks and some boxing shorts. Yep. But while you're in line, you're like, you know what? I do need these scented candles. <laughs> or I, you know, I really do, I do want some jelly beans. Right? Yeah, exactly. That, that candy always gets me. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's that's how I'm getting to these conversations around what's happening with black boys. I'm doing um equity audits for a few schools and it's allowing me to help these institutions lift up the hood yeah. around what's happening in their buildings. Yep. And then the recommendations from those equity audits um, are being dovetailed into strategic plannings and strategic plans and school improvement plans and things like that. So I can help them or someone similar to me can help them with the handholding yeah. to turn these equity initiatives into three and five year plans as opposed to check a box and you yeah. know keep uh social justice warriors at bay yeah um, but but that's that's kind of the 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 work in a nutshell but it was initially i have all of these experiences and i have all of these skills how can i expand my footprint yeah um I, we had just had excuse me we had um we had just had my uh my second daughter our second daughter um who's three years old now. And it was, you know, how can I have more flexibility um, to be around the house for my children? My oldest daughter was starting school as well. Um, so how can I parlay that and, and be around more as opposed to working 65 to 70 hours a week? Yep. yep. Um, and not even, that's not even including the commute in DC traffic. Oh, so, man. I couldn't even oh, imagine man. that. Oh man. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, just like that, big ups for the courage it takes to do that because, you know, Ke Kevin and I, I feel like if we talk to too many more people who are doing this amazing work um, kind of on their terms and on their expertise, I kind of feel like that's going to pose some uh, needed disruptions in, in uh, our lives as teachers. Oh, but it, right. it takes an incredible leap. And you and I have talked a little bit about this, this incredible leap into into rising into something that's closer to your true self than what you could be in a school. And I just really acknowledge that man, like mad respect for that. Cause that's, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it is that Jay-Z lyric. You got to get out the boat if you want to walk on water, you know, and, uh, and there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to walk on water, but you're sure not going to walk on water if you stay in the boat. Yeah. It, it, and I, I think for, for your audience who's listening, um, you'll be a better person if uh, if you're like St. Peter and you're you're walking and you start to drown, you'll yeah. be a better person for it. Yeah. Um, because it's 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 not easy. Um, I've received a lot of cover spiritually and financially um, from my wife. Yeah. Because there were some times where, you know, how I thought this check was gonna be here then, right? Yeah. yeah. Or you're awarded an RFP and like yeah. even now, I, man, I got stories to tell. I'll bet. But, uh, I'll bet. They, oh, the contract is going to be worth this much. And it's like seven months goes by and you haven't heard anything from them. Right. Wow. Right. So, um, but you, you would be a better person for it. And I think um, everything has been democratized. And I think over the next three or four years, yeah. the cream is going to rise. There's a lot yeah. of, I think, crowd noise right now. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but I, I think the world is this is the slowest change we'll see 
over the next several years. Things are moving so rapidly. Sure. Um, but I think it's going to speed up even more. Yeah. For education and for entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, what I would say to people who are listening or thinking about make that leap is be sure of your niche and your expertise and keep perfecting what you do and stay true to who you are. Um, I get a lot of pushback, like as you mentioned, uh, Brother Gerardo, like what about isms? Yeah. Like, well, you don't care about, you don't care about black um, girls. You don't care about black girls. And uh, like, where do, where do homosexual males fit into this? And what about white males? And what about white girls? And can't we all just get along? And it's like, whoa, whoa, slow, slow down. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's um, what always happens though. If you, if you highlight black boys, we tend to get a lot of that stuff. That's true. It's a lot. It's a lot of that. Yep. Yeah, and I, and it's a war, right? I'm in the Coast Guard. Mm -hmm. I would never say to someone in the Army, "How come you ain't over here helping us in the Coast Guard?" <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's a when great I, thing. I would I thing. would never say to to Doctor Monique Morris, "How come you just talking about black girls?" Yeah. 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 That's the most ignorant. That's the most ignorant stuff ever. <laughs> don't worry, I can click the E on the episode, <laughs> so don't worry. Like, <laughs> Man, you don't you don't care about you don't you don't care about. Wait a minute, my mom was black. I grew up in a hair salon. My mother's a hairdresser. <laughs> yeah. Like, how would how would you ever say I don't love and respect black women? Yeah. Like, if I don't do this work, who are they marrying? That's you, right. I, I think it's the big picture. Come on, man. Yeah. Look, talk to me. Let's look at this. Like, yeah. let's, as my best friend said, let's get nutritious about this. Let's get nutritious. <laughs> like, we need the Coast Guard, we need the Army, the Navy, yeah, the Air Force, right. and the Marines. You know, and, and I we're think we're fighting on all fronts. And I was we definitely, lost. I was definitely a what about person, you know, years ago as I started to develop some consciousness. And I think a lot of it was fed by the fact that there are a lot of marginalized communities that don't get what they need. But I've realized that if I'm noticing a what about and I really want, someone to do something for that what about maybe that needs to be me right yep maybe if a scholar is 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 doing work serving a community that i think is good work and i think would work really well in another community what about me <laughs> you know how about i how about i kind of do that no nah, it's a great statement um and and the coast guard um you're just full of these metaphors uh brother desmond like these you know what that comes from being in an all-male environment Cause you know, you got to repeat things to men. That's right. You do. You have to break it down. You got to connect it to things break they, it they, they can relate to. Give a, give right. a lot of different ways to explain it. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. That comes That's from right. working with, working, I mean, teaching. I taught third grade to all boys for four years. And it was like, Man. how come I got to keep telling y'all when homework is? right because that's the way it is that, that, that's, that's the nature that's one of those critical differences that's how it is but speaking of metaphors yeah, i was gonna we, say we, we we've got we get to like i think you've given us so much wisdom but we were remiss if we didn't ask this tradition true dope question uh but i will give it some context because it might be one of the most controversial questions that we ask here this is the hardest podcast. This is the one people get in trouble for. This, this is a debate. Like people, some people are like, I don't know if I even want to respond to this question. They take it where they want I to go. I don't want to respond. Oh, to oh you're not oh. responding. He's not responding. Yeah, see, 
See, it's, so, it's tough, man. It's, it's too it is controversial. Tough. It is. It's, it's, it's a hard one. I'm in. I'm in my forties. I have a. You have a wealth <laughs> of experience and knowledge to like. You have you have decades, different decades that you have to go through. Different eras, different. It's a lot. No, it's a lot. It's quality. Well, so maybe maybe if Kevin shares with you some of the guidelines. All right. So yeah. yes, because this, maybe is, this will help a little bit. This is yeah. like this is it's a loaded question. Sometimes I debate if we should even <laughs> ask it, but you know I think it's become a tradition, and so after as many podcasts as we've done, I, I'm like we gotta. I guess continue the tradition. It's one tradition, but so we ask people top five rappers, but realizing that this is controversial, mm -hmm. we say it does not have to be hierarchical. So these could be top five, you know, or not, not top five people or artists. Doesn't have to be an individual, could be a group. Okay. All right. You can have multiple ties. Like you could have different people. You don't have to this put numbers the, on it. We have the- You could just name- five artists or rappers that have had an influence on you that mm -hmm. you value, right? You are not held to this uh, after I this moment. Always, always change. You know, like other than, other than the uh, internet, like Gerardo likes to remind me, because as he knows, I'm not on Twitter. He's not but on see, the internet. Twitter. Twitter, now, now when Twitter, you know, you're on Twitter, <laughs> so, but Twitter might think, but, but, but again, We'd love to, it, it, this could be like recommendations, recommendations that you would make for, for young heads or for, yeah. for people who haven't, you know, some of our audience who aren't into hip hop, maybe okay. if they need starting points, um, ways to, you know, artists that are particularly popping with young black boys, you know, mm -hmm. given your expertise right now, mm -hmm. you know, or through your experience, you know, those artists that stand the test of time with young black boys that we know, their generations that be quoting these lyrics and lines forever, but take it where you want to go. This you is your chance know. to talk about the only so, thing we'll pop, rap music, music in general. And the only thing whatever. we'll do with this is we will uh, we'll make a Spotify play playlist and put it on our site, and then it'll be the Desmond Williams playlist for the week. So you know, there's that there's that piece, okay. but uh, but yeah, man, um, we're, okay, we're very so I'm gonna make it count. I'm gonna make it count. Okay. Yes. So. I'm gonna flip the script. Uh -oh. right. I've been listening to I'm, I'm, I've been listening to a lot of Bob Marley lately, but um, I'm actually um, I have a manuscript for a second book, which is autobiographical. Um, it's a collection of short stories. The initial title was going to be um, Black Band Aids, and then it kind of turned to Black Ooh. Tears, Ooh. and now. It's tentatively titled "Hard to Earn." Ooh. I'm a huge Gangstar fan. I knew yes. it. Oh, yes. yes, there so we I'm go. A, I'm gonna give you top five MCs that have went on to the ancestors. Okay. Oh man. Ooh. Oh. 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you Big L. Yeah. I'm gonna give you Big L, whose birthday was last week. I'm gonna give you MF. The in the air. Oh, rest in peace, Doom. Rest in L's up. Put your L's up. L's up. I'm gonna give you uh, Doom, Big L, Guru. Yeah. Um, Gifted Unlimited, Rounds Universal. Uh, I'm gonna give you Pac. Yeah. And I'm gonna give you Biggie. Yeah. I'm putting five people on that round on that Mount Rushmore because that's it. I love the way you approach it too. Yeah. Because we can. 
and uh, Guru's birthday is in, in mid um, June, but I ended up writing a, a short story called Soliloquy of Chaos. Ooh. You guys are familiar with like old gangstar daily yes. operation. Speaking of being a principal, I wish I had a picture I could show you. But um, my first day as a principal, I had these big audacious goals. And I was like, man, F that. I didn't put big audacious goals. I put daily operation. Yes. That's what we talk about. Like one of my That's favorite what we talk about. Times. Yeah. Um, yes. So those are, those are, those are our top five and my top five MCs that have that have passed, passed on. on. Passed that's on. Passed on. Yes. Yeah. And, and when you know, think about that's not an easy one to come up with too, because there we've lost so many lately. Um, we've we've you, lost we, so we many. Lost like, we lost ecstasy, shock. Oh my God! I was the biggest. I mean, sex packets. I was oh like, man, no, that, that that record alone taught me so much about the world. Freaks of the industry. <laughs> no way to put it. Packet man. <laughs> Go listen to No Nose Job right now. Yo, No Nose Job. That's good. That's good. That is. No, it is. You listen to it that, oh my God. that is a truth. Like you listen to what he's talking about. Yeah. He was he was laying it all out right it, there about the it, industry. And it just went over our heads. We were I, I, I go back and I listened to I was like. You go back and you hear some of it, and you're like, dang, I was just vibing to it. I never even was sitting down really um, thinking and hearing everything that they were saying. Um, and now you my, go back. On my Instagram page, I, I have a picture of Shock and Tupac. Yep. In, in the video. Yep. Same song. Yeah. Tupac is wearing a, um, a Yankees jersey. And I was like, I was a huge digital underground fan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it was just, it was just, it, sonically, it was so different. It so, was. They were the most different. It, it was, that was shocked. I was shocked. And it was fun. So, and it was conscious. And it was meaningful. And it was party yeah. music. Like, it was, the, oh, yeah. Oh, man. Do what you like. Do what you like. Do what you like. <laughs> Vanessa Williams. He's yeah, so defined. So defined. I just thought just I'd put your name in my mind. <laughs> I just wanted to put your name in my mind. Like, who can't relate to that? Yeah, come great. on it's like yeah you just oh, want to say your name oh, like that's all that was like that's it was so stage. good <laughs> yeah. uh, and, that's and a fire video, oh man everyone from easy everybody oh man yeah um top five mcs okay this is this is what i don't want to answer that was a prelude yeah <laughs> um it's it's a tie for number one between um kane and krs1 oh okay yes that makes sense that makes sense Kane and, Kane and KRS-One are tied for number one. Yep. Number three is um, Rakim. Rakim, <laughs> yes. Speaking my language. Speaking my language right now. Uh, Nas is fourth. Yep. Nas and Jay-Z are tied for fourth. And Nas and Jay-Z tied, okay. Um, if I had an honorable mention. There you yes, go. You got one. Like someone just like fierce. Yeah. Um, Red Man. Yep. Yes. Um, Just most tough death, Red most Man. Deaf. Most Deaf. And probably first in that honorable mention is Black Thought. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, and then rounding, that out, rounding out that honorable mention is uh, Cool G Rap. Cool G Rap. I you love don't that. know Cool G Rap. You don't know about rap. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> if you don't know about Cool G Rap, you don't know about rap. So that's, that's the honorable mention. 
Um, Love it. Groups. Nobody agrees on what I say about groups. <laughs> but for me, number one is um, is De La Soul because they didn't break up. I no. love that. I love that. That's a good. They put out records right now. Like they, when yeah. you when you listen to Grind Date, which it's is such like a good 2004, album. 2004. It's like 15 years after their initial release, and it's like dope. Yeah, it's so good. It's and then so you good. listen to the anonymous nobody. Bad mm. stuff. Like they're. I mean, they have songs with Snoop. I mean, yep. the song with um Estelle and Pete Rock. So yeah. good. It, when you, when you talk about ownership, right? Doing a Kickstarter to start an album and then having a song with the instrumental that goes for two minutes before you start rhyming. Yeah. Um, That's Dayla. That's Dayla. So Dayla for me is number one. See that. Because of the overall listenability and how much, like when you talk about Desmond's life, like what's playing, Dayla Soul supersedes those other groups. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. hard for me to say they're better or they're the best. But they're but they, omnipresent. They're present. Yeah. 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 Like they so they're one. NWA is two. Yeah. That's like no no no. It's Dayla. It's EPMD. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. Then NWA and um tribe are tied for fourth yeah and public enemy is fifth public enemy and man P. that's tough that yeah is tough. that's tough because uh, but I, I i respect i respect those lists though. i'm a i'm a huge um epmd fan yeah that, that's good stuff yeah but it's it's hard for me to put them ahead of daylight no um but but when you th- i mean they they love yeah, work is so is is so sophisticated and fun. Like yeah. you know, the me, myself, and I, the first time I like that that was where where I was captured by the spirit of Dayla because you mm-hmm. you know, you hear the song, then you watch the video, and it's just mm-hmm. so tongue-in-cheek and so mm-hmm. slick and so listenable. Um I, I'm I'm here for the top five. I I gotta say, I, I was surprised not to see Wu Tang, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not mad about it because it's your list. You know what Wu Tang is. Um, Wu Tang is right there. They're yeah. they're that first honorable mention, and probably um, Wu Tang. When I when I kind of give that like listenability quotient, yeah, it's probably ahead of Tribe. Yeah, probably that's, a, that's so hard to compare, but yeah, especially absolutely. especially if you throw in the Purple Tape and uh, yeah, Iron yeah, Man and. Yeah, biscuits and the Tony pretty Tony. When you throw in all of that, all of that stuff, yeah, all of that, um, the whole thing. Yeah, there's there's a lot there because even like um, you know, I was in how I was I was at Howard in the late nineties, and okay, um, you know, DMX was just yeah. You talk about like you know people who passed on. It's hard not to. I mean, I my daughters know who we be. They go, yep, 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 definitely. You know, we we've lost so many. Um, um, our story as people who are working through oppression. Yeah. Um. He's he's the embodiment of um the American story. Yeah. Um, his energy and his passion and his skill and the, the hope 
that yeah. he that he had for so many people. Yep. He did um, an amazing interview um, on Talu Pali's podcast, you know, just yep. a few weeks before he passed. And I, I was so okay. taken by his insights and, you know, cause I'd, I'd, I'd heard him interviewed before I've read some of his stuff before, but the depth of the interview mm-hmm. and the depth, depth of the man's soul was really, um, mm-hmm. that, that was just amazing to me. And Impressive. so sad. Yeah, a great one. Oh man, I have to, I have to check that out. I've watched, um, I, speaking of getting lost on YouTube, I watched the, uh, the Feral Munch. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was like, he was talking about depression and how he went, he was like giving a shout out to his black dentist. Yep. Yeah. Because his dentist was looking at some of these other meds he was taking and he was like, uh, you, you? this is a cocktail for, but yeah. I mean, Feral, how could I leave out? I mean, if I'm mentioning Red Man, yeah. Black Thought, I mean, Feral <laughs> was like. Up there. Oh, well, true. Eating MCs for lunch, but I I did get some <laughs> right. Freddie Gray. Yeah, I, I I dig I dig Freddie Gray and um, J Cole Kendrick. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I do some Tyler. Speaking of, yeah, the newer head. Ke- Kevin, yeah, Tyler's, yeah, young cats do it. Tyler is a complete, Kevin doesn't like Tyler. Weirdo. I like Tyler. <laughs> I I can't I I I like Tyler. I respect you. Do not. You I'll, I'll really like am on Tyler. I ain't, you ain't gonna catch me. You ain't gonna you know, roll up in my room and catch I, me. I like Tyler. Tyler. I like you know what Tyler. Tyler is Tyler is music. He's that time where you put that Q-tip in your ear. <laughs> you like this feels good. good. This feel good. That's that's Tyler's music. You know what I mean? Like oh man, I don't tell people I like. To- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna oh, tell people yeah. I felt a certain way with that Q-tip in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, people make judgments. They, people make, they make judgments. Kevin, Kevin will judge you. Um, yeah. So listen, hey, De- Desmond, um, man. I, I talked too long. This was beautiful. No, oh, but I'm, I'm wearing a Rakim shirt. I don't there know. you go. Oh, Redford, Redford. Redford. Hey, did you read his book? I haven't. I haven't oh, read it. Oh, sweat, so sweat the Technique. So sweat the Technique. I love that book. Definitely. Oh, he's getting on his bookshelf. It's on the bookshelf. I just started that. I just started it. For um, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. check that out. I, I started it. It's awesome. It's so it's, good. It started off slow for me, but it's awesome. Man, we got we got to do another yeah. conversation where we just talk about like hip hop books, because like because that's all. Right. Yeah, that's right. I don't know, man. This, I, I don't. I don't. I I, I just want to. I feel like we need a Desmond Williams segment every month. <laughs> That's what we need. Um, but De- Desmond, man, thank you for joining us today. Um, this, this was such a powerful conversation. I'll let Kev add on to it. But um, wh- what are some things that you're working on right now? How can the people support you? How can folks um, get connected to your work and follow what you're doing? Yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Clubhouse at Nylinka. That's N-Y-L-I-N-K-A. The website is www.nylinka.org. You can publish my book, The Burning House, Educating Black Boys in Modern America. On the website, you can also um, you can also purchase it on Amazon. Um, what I'm currently working on, I'm actually, um, I mentioned equity audits earlier. Yep. Doing some work with schools to kind of lift up the hood and look at equity across programming practices um, and pedagogy, uh, but also working with some organizations who are doing some grants around um, supporting black male educators. 
That's great. And then beyond that, um, some aspiring leadership work, which is really interesting um, because of my entrance into the profession. Yeah. Um, that story is, is pretty interesting. So I'm doing some work in Houston and, and Aldine um, around um, aspiring leadership and, and onboarding um, aspiring leaders the, other, the right way, if you will. But then just other work in terms of um, how do we create safe spaces for black boys? And that's breaking the instructional equity and then restore, like what, what kind of environment do we want to create? And, and the, the issue is, or the, the, the key has been, let's create a school where teachers wanna to come to work every yeah. day. Yeah. I bet you if we do that, um, your black children will want to come to school every day. Focus on creating a great place for for people to come to work where your black men feel supported and then your black boys will will be great because the experiences of black males reflect um, the experience of your black male educators respect reflect the experiences of your black boys um, as students. So get those two things together and um, you know, there isn't a school in a country where black boys are doing well no. and other groups are not doing well. Like they yeah. are, yeah. they are your boys, they are your buoyancy point. That's right. Um, so helping schools in that manner, but that's kind of what's happening between now and, and October, November ish. Um, but again, if you want to get connected to the work, just go to the website yep. um, and connect with me. I'm always interested in being a thought partner. Um, to think out some things. It's, it's not about, you know, me taking money from people and things right. like that. Right. Um, but sometimes we just need a sounding board. Yeah. So definitely reach out to me and I will help in, uh, in any way I can. Yeah. And, and uh, Desmond is a great follow on social media. So really recommend that you, that you follow his work. And, uh, you know, one day Kevin will be on the internet and he will also follow your work. <laughs> I'm following okay. in spirit. I'm always following in spirit. Always following in spirit. I speak I'm, I'm for following people. in spirit. Especially when we get in trouble. Kev, anything to say before we wrap up? Well, Desmond, I just thank you for your work. You know, as, as a black male, you know, who was a black boy who's gone through the school system and, and dealt with all of the challenges that it is and, and somehow found a way to navigate it and has worked in this educational system you know, despite all of those challenges, I appreciate the work that you are doing. I think it's critical. Um, I think all the important ideas that you put forth, some of the things that I'm going to take away is this idea of, you know, what, how much liberation can we get in the master school building? You know, it was designed mm -hmm. for something. And, and, and so it, it continues to work the way it's intended to work. You know, I think the ultimate goal is finding what we can make for us the way we know we need to make it because it's not designed for us you know and then i think this other idea that you just mentioned you know that that um that 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 we have to you know work around it like we have to figure out a way or, or if we just show them that if you support black kids it will all go better all of the issues if we if we work for our black boys everything is going to get better, you know? And, and then that idea of if it feels good for a black male educator to be in that building, it's probably gonna feel good for black boys, right? But I think, you know, they also have to figure out and learn and be able to love 
what makes a black male tick and what makes a black male, wh what are the good things about us? And I think we live in a society that all too often has been taught negative things about us and that, that really we don't have a high value. And so I think that goes back to the importance of the work that you're doing right now. And so I just hope that people buy your book, support Nylinka, follow you on the internet. Um, and, 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 you know, we, we gonna get there. We, we gonna get there. We might not all see it, but we gonna get there. Yeah. Thank right. Thank you for that. And, um, you know, Derek Bell says in, in Faces at the Bottom of the Well that um, racism is permanent. And I, yeah. I think that's, um, when I read that, I was like, man, it's some BS. <laughs> right. But when I slept on it, um, I was like, this is liberating. Yep. Because I don't have to change my goals and objectives. So like I can stay consistent in the work that I do. And, and I think yeah. to your point, Kevin, um, you know, we can, we can stay on mission um, because the forces that push racism are not gonna take a break. So, so why should I? Like, I'm not the person you should talk to about self-care. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not really good at that. Um, I'm gonna keep pushing this agenda. And, um, you know, I was just hoping 30 years when my children are middle age that they don't have to have these same conversations. So, right. you know, that that's the world that I envision um, are important. I think they mobilize people to take action. And I think for the people who are already taking action, it, it reaffirms their purpose. So, you know, I need to give a shout out to the two of you for the work that you're doing. Um, you know, keep being dope. Um, be, because it, it's, it's needed. There's so many people who are isolated, who are looking for the information. Um, and I've listened to your, a few of your podcasts and the information is dope, but it's also transformational. And like I said earlier, the cream is gonna rise. And, and the, the, the sticking point between the cream and the non-cream is that transformational element. And you guys have that. So I appreciate you having me. Thank you. And uh, I look forward to breaking got breaking bread with you guys in the future. Yeah, one day, one day, one day. All right, so we will we'll take it out the way we usually do. I'll ramble a little bit, and then we'll all try to say "stay dope" together, which is always tricky on my internet connection. But we'll see if we can do that. So for our incredible guest Desmond Williams, for my co-host uh, the incredible Kevin Adams, for I am Gerardo Munoz, and we are here for you through all of it, through the strife, through the trauma, through the picking up the pieces of what just happened in the last year, through systemic racism, through the problems that emerged in the last few months and the problems that emerged in the last few generations and centuries. Uh, we encourage you to stay facing optimism, to stay determined, to stay working, to stay uplifting your communities, and more than anything else, we ask you to make sure that you always stay dope. All right, good brothers. Stay dope.